Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guests by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome. It's great to have you with us this afternoon and hoping that you're having a wonderful day. Today's topic is strategic faith, how to transform the way you think, feel, and live. And our guest today is Tracy Miles. During the next hour, you are going to discover the faith feeling factor, the 10 most common whirlpools of faithless thinking, how changing your thinking will change your life, the high cost of negativity and what you can do about it right away, truth, lies, and an exercise to help you keep on track, plus two tools for your transformation toolbox and what to do when you feel like you cannot go on. Today's guest, Tracy Miles, is a national speaker with the Proverbs 31 ministry and a best-selling author. She has spent the last 12 years inspiring women to become who God called them to be and to live a life with peace and joy despite their circumstances. Her website is tracymiles.com. You spell her name T-R-A-C-I-E, tracymiles.com. And welcome to you, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Well, it's great to have you here, and this is a wonderful topic because I think that most of us from time to time have struggles with our faith, and we just wonder, you know, are we the only one? Um, How can I be so faithless? You know, I read in the Bible about the Israelites, and I think, how could they be so faithless? And sometimes I think, how could I be so faithless? (laughs) You know, I know God Mm -hmm. is real, and I know he's good, and all that, and sometimes it's just really hard in the in the press and the crush of life to actually live in that place of faithfulness. Why did you decide to write about this? Well, the main reason that this book really started was just due to an experience that I found myself in, in my own life where I felt like my faith was sinking. And, you know, I I had been a Christian my whole life and been a believer. I served in ministry and was speaking and writing and, you know, all the things that, you know, from the outside, people think, oh, you're so strong in your faith, because that's what we expect or what we want to hold people to. But sometimes life is hard. And, you know, we can just really start feeling like we're sinking. And so this book, Unsinkable Faith, was really birthed out of a time when I find myself, found myself really at the weakest point. And I had to seek Mm -hmm. God's rescue and helping me to, you know, start from my mind because I couldn't change my circumstances. So I really had to change how I was thinking about them and my perspective and how my thoughts were getting away from me. So just learning to take control of my thoughts was a stepping, turning my life around, even if my circumstances stayed the same. Yeah, that's so great. And I know you guys know that I do a lot of work with the mind and, you know, how how it's this amazing, wonderful gift that God gave us, and yet it can just drive us crazy sometimes. <laughs> so learning to mm-hmm. understand it and to uh, 
to live with our brains God's way is such a great thing too. Let's talk about, you have something you call the faith feeling factor. And I know some of these um, S's and F's on the air are kind of hard to hear. So I'm going to say the name of your book again, which is Unsinkable Faith, F-A-I-T-H. And now we're going to talk about faith and feeling. So what is the faith feeling factor? Well, Really what that boils down to is we can either, you know, function on our day-to-day operations by faith or we can function by our feelings. And nine times out of ten, our feelings are probably going to steer us in the wrong direction (laughs) because if we don't have control of what we're thinking, you know, that the thoughts that we think actually drive our emotions and how we feel. And how we feel is what drives our outward actions and the way we live our everyday life. So it's a, it's a balance that we really have to be intentionally conscious of, you know, what are we letting run our life, our faith, our trusting God, our, our peace, or are we letting all the emotions or the negativity or the discouragement and frustration and maybe even pessimism run our life? So it's something that we have to invite God in to the process of helping us, number one, recognize if we need to make improvements beginning in our thoughts, and number two, help us to do that through his strength and you know, just persevering in faith day after day. Hmm. I'm in the middle of a uh, fast right now, and it's amazing how my feelings and my drive and my bodily cravings and all of that just want to have their own way. You know, and I keep telling myself, um, you're not going to die. You know, <laughs> it's just a, right. it's a short period of time. But, you know, you yeah. wouldn't believe it from how strongly your body screams for something. You know, when you're not giving it food, the body screams real loud. And Sometimes the feelings aren't about food. Sometimes they're about something else or about habits we've created or different things. And this can really mess us up if we don't comprehend what's happening and how to respond to it. Right. And sometimes we don't realize that our thoughts and our emotions are really controlling us instead of us controlling them. And that's not how we really want to live our life because, you know, we're humans and we're going to have, whether it's cravings for things that aren't healthy for us or a tendency to lean toward negativity and feeling, you know, frustrated or angry or unforgiving, you know, our thoughts are valid and our feelings are valid, but we want to make sure that they're also, you know, in line with what God wants us to think and feel and not let, you know, those emotions drive us into a, a, steer us down a path that we will continually making habits that aren't, aren't good for us in the long run or aren't good for our relationships or our bodies or our faith. Right, right. Yeah, so true, so true. Well, you have actually 10 common whirlpools of faithless thinking that you found that a lot of women um, get sucked into, um, knowingly or unknowingly. And why don't we just start going through that right now? So when before we do a whirlpool of faithless thinking, that's a really cool word picture. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, if you think about a whirlpool, you know, whether it's a little small one or something big, huge, you might see in a movie, it's just swirling around and around and around. And anything that gets caught in that, whether it's a person or debris or, you know, just anything, it's almost out of control. Like it just keeps spiraling farther and farther down. And unfortunately, we can get into these whirlpools of thinking of negative thoughts. And that's exactly the same path that we're on. We keep, you know, just treading water, swirling around, and we're just on this spiral path of destruction if we don't try to avoid, 
getting into those whirlpools. And we do have the power. We do have God's power within us to do that. It's just that we have to be intentional and we have to invite God to help us do that. But one of the very first ones and one of the the top things universally I think women especially really struggle with is that whirlpool of comparison and, you know, comparing ourselves to other people and their jobs and their families and their marriages and their parents. And we can think of a thousand ways of how we as an individual, even as God's creation, don't measure up. And the more we compare ourselves to other people, the less our self-esteem is, our confidence lowers, you know, and it just becomes that I, not to keep using that term, but it becomes a whirlpool <laughs> and you're just spinning and you really don't know how to escape that line of thinking. Um, this was really prevalent. If we have a second, I can tell you a story about yeah. when my daughter was in sixth grade and she had been begging me to go be a, a member of this beauty pageant that was in our local community. And I've never really been a big fan of beauty pageants. <laughs> But she just kind of wore me down, and so I finally was like, okay, Caitlin, you can be in this pageant, but I'm not going to buy some big, expensive, you know, fancy, fancy dress. But we had recently been on a vacation and bought her a beautiful T-link, royal blue, sparkly, just gorgeous dress. So she's like, okay, Mommy, I'll just wear that. Well, the pageant came, and she was so excited. She looked so beautiful and all fixed up with her beautiful blue T-link dress on. But before the pageant even started, her whole entire demeanor changed from when we dropped her off to a few minutes later. And I was thinking, what in the world <laughs> happened so quickly to change her from, you know, her eyes were sparkling with joy to now they're sparkling with tears. And basically she said, Mommy, everyone's wearing a full-length dress and mine's T-length and I look ugly. So what happened Aww. to me was first I thought, she's your tell her mother. <laughs> you should have bought her a new dress. But my second thought was, you know, that's exactly why I didn't want to be in the pageant because I know how quickly we can get sucked into that whirlpool of comparison and how quickly we can determine I am not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I don't measure up in, you know, whatever comparison form that we're thinking of. And she was only in the sixth grade, but even as an adult, I find myself doing that, you know, on a consistent basis. And we just really have to ask God to help us be aware when our thoughts are starting to trickle down that comparison and do I measure up and how am I less than and just ask God to help us see ourselves through his eyes instead of our own or through, you know, a measuring stick that we were never even meant to be measured against. Oh, that is so true. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with Tracy Miles of TracyMiles.com. Hopefully you'll go check out her website and her new book, Unsinkable Faith, right after the show. But right now we're going to take a little break and come back and hear the rest of the 10 most common whirlpools of faithless thinking. We'll be right back. Do you ever need a guest speaker? Or maybe you're a speaker who's available to go. Check out womenspeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world since 2002. Connecting thousands of planners with over 1,300 speakers. Speakers are available to you from every state, denomination, experience level, and fee range. You simply search when you have time, anytime, day or night, and connect directly with the speakers that interest you. No middlemen, no hidden fees. It's all simple, easy, enjoyable, and online. Check it out today at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. 
Welcome back. This is Marnie Fredberg, and I hope that you will check out all the speakers over at womenspeakers.com. It's coming up to that big time of year when everybody's booking, and we would like to help connect you. All right, Tracy, back to you. We were starting down the 10 most common whirlpools of faithless thinking. So whirlpool number one is comparison, and uh, definitely, definitely see how that would just suck us in a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, the second one, and I put these not necessarily in any particular order with the exception of when they just came to mind (laughs) because I deal with these things in my own life. But the second one that I list in the book is awfulizing, which means making a situation more awful than it actually is in reality (laughs) simply because our feelings are controlling us. You know, they're just taking over and our mind is, is going crazy. You know how... We have this phrase that you let your you let your thoughts go wild or your thoughts run away with you or you think of the worst case scenario. Well, that's really what this means, and we tend to do that. And you know, we can stop doing that if we ask God to help us be aware when we're starting to just let our thoughts running off on this tangent of, oh my goodness, this could happen, and what if, and you know, what if this? We just go on and on and on, and that causes us stress, and it just takes a drain, a toll on our hearts, and you know, because our thoughts are getting out of control. I love it, awfulizing. That's a great word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, what's number three? Number three is exaggerating. And it's very similar to the awfulizing, but all too often we tend to exaggerate our problems. And rather than stay focused on the one thing we're worried about or the one thing we really need to be concerned about, it, we just let it bleed into our thoughts about everything. And oftentimes use the word never. You know, I'm never going to get a job. I'm never going to find a husband. I'm never going to get out of this problem. When in actuality, that's most likely not true. (laughs) But we let our mind think, oh, it's hopeless. I I have a reason to feel discouraged and, you know, never think that anything good is going to happen. And that's just not true. We exaggerate it in our mind because the enemy wants to keep us down and discouraged and downhearted. And our thoughts can lead us in that direction. And he knows that as well. Yeah. And the fourth we one, um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, uh, the fourth just, one was complaining. <laughs> we have a little I'm lag sorry. here going on. Sorry. sorry, you guys. I know, right? Um, I was just going to say, my husband and I had a conversation not too long ago, and I had said that you said it would never, and he said, well, right away, when you hear me say the word never, when you say the word never, we know that this is not what you or I would say. We We would not take it there you know we take it to you know sometimes or it feels like a lot and I thought that was a really good way to respond to that Um, you know when we hear somebody exaggerating something we we don't have to get sucked into their exaggeration either we can just step back and say yeah it's not always not never it's you know if there's there's some balance here okay go ahead number four (laughs) okay number four is complaining And this really came to mind because I used to work with this lady many, many years ago, and she just complained incessantly. I mean, she just could not filter out bad, negative thoughts and ever really concentrate on anything good. So whether it was about her desk chair or the commute to work or her salary or her office supplies, her computer, you know, her coworkers, every single thing, even down to her family, a customer service clerk at the grocery store, she just chronically, chronically complained. And I realized that over a period of many months that it started becoming contagious. 
And I found myself complaining about things that normally I kind of would have overlooked or been more positive about. And so it was just an eye-opener to me that that's one of those whirlpools. I don't think this lady intentionally wanted to be a negative person or wanted to be viewed as a chronic complainer, but we get into that habit. And that's where, that's where that whirlpool just sucks us down into that spiral of destruction, and we keep going down farther and farther until we find it has just become part of who we are. Mm-hmm. I think with the complaining one, too, uh, like you said, it is so contagious. All of them are, but complaining, I think, just like you say, being around someone who complains all the time, you don't even recognize that you're beginning to um, also just participate in it. It's very sneaky. <laughs> hmm Yeah. And you might have plenty of reason to complain, you know. <laughs> there might be valid, valid reasons to complain or be upset, but we still are faced with the decision of are we going to be try to look for the bright side of things and be positive and spread a positive energy and positive thoughts, or are we going to just focus on the negative and express our right to complain and, you know, our valid feelings of, of complaint, whatever they may be? We, we still have to make that decision, and we have the ability to do so. I think about a parent and a child, and, of course, God is our parent and we are the child, and a parent with a child who is always, always complaining has very little motivation to go out a long way on a limb to give that child more blessings, more good things because the child has not even learned yet to appreciate what they've received. And I think of that with our father, God, too. He's always more interested in our character than our comfort. And and how, you know, this complaining thing, it really holds everybody back from receiving what God's best is for us turned around. So I, I love that. And it's an it's a easy whirlpool to get pulled into. What's number five? Number five is blaming. Because anytime we feel unhappy or discontent, we're usually tempted to blame someone or something. (laughs) You know, that person is the cause of my stress or my unhappiness. Or this situation or circumstance is the reason that I have a right to be negative or a right to complain. Um, Maybe a coworker is tempted to blame her peers because she has a bad attitude because they're not pulling their load at work. You know, that's a valid thing, but we can either blame our attitude on them or we can take control of our attitude or maybe a wife is tempted to blame her husband because it's his choices that are impacting their marriage in a negative way. Well, yes, we can always lay blame and blame may be due, but we don't want it to affect our attitude and who we are. And a mom even can be tempted to blame her kids because they keep misbehaving or tempted to blame her father because she has low self-esteem. But we only us, only uh, us as individuals, we are the ones that have control over our thoughts and over where our thoughts are going to park. So if we want to park on blaming, that's going to keep us in this whirlpool of negative thinking and negative feeling. But if we want to focus on trusting God and surrendering whatever's on our heart and intentionally trying to be positive, then that's, that's what's going to be the mantra of our life. It's just every single one of these is really just, it's a choice that we have to be cognizant of how we're thinking and what's going on in our life and decide, is that the path that I want to keep going down? Mm, That's great. And the sixth one is self-condemnation. And this kind of goes hand in hand with the, you know, comparison. And I, I think back to a time when one of my own kids kind of went through a season of making some poor choices. You know, you can be the best mom you can be, but everyone's going to make their own decisions, and it may not always be things that, 
that we as moms might support. So when our kids, whether they're five years old and throwing a temper tantrum in the grocery store or whether they're a teenager and making choices that just don't make you proud as a parent, we can either condemn ourselves and say, hey, I'm a terrible mother and, you know, take all the blame, or we can just say, God, I need you to intervene in this situation and help me not to latch on to self-condemnation. Or maybe it's about problems in our marriage or, you know, problems with our theme or even, you know, we'd like to change something about our appearance. And God wants us to feel confident in who we are and in whose we are. And that comparison, getting caught in that whirlpool kind of pulls us over into this self-condemnation of, hey, there's all these things about myself that I don't like or about my past that I'm ashamed of or that I regret. And we can let the lies of the enemy continually to just to gnaw away at who we are and who God sees us to be. Yeah, Tracy, and I think there's a lot of satanic um, (laughs) involvement with that self-condemnation piece where, you know, it says in the Bible that Satan stands before God and condemns us, and he is also active um, condemning us just directly through other people, um, even in our own thoughts. He, you know, can plant seed thoughts there, bring up memories, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, I think that the self-condemnation, the only way for me that I could get any kind of handle on it at all was just to just keep repeating Romans 8 1 there is therefore now no condemnation I am in Christ Jesus Um, you know because otherwise it's just my word against somebody else's harsh word or against my own thinking's harsh word or some you know Mm -hmm. demonic idea that comes in it's just me against that and I, I never could really make progress on it but when those thoughts come and I just go back, okay, I know that I'm a sinner saved by grace. I know that. And even just this morning when I was swimming laps in the pool, I was, I was like, God, I don't see why you ever choose you, to use me. I really don't. You have lots of better mm-hmm. choices out there available. But I just choose to not receive this condemnation right now that's coming in my heart. And it just works because it's scripture and it's truth and it's what God thinks about me. And that's, you know, there is nobody that has a, you know, more powerful opinion of us than God, and we should just recognize that and receive that as a gift. Yeah, and we can, a little bit later in our conversation, we can talk about the three tips I share in the book for how to really start transforming your thinking, but you just mentioned one of those, and that's just to be aware and to recognize what you're thinking, not only recognize who we are in Christ and, you know, how much he loves us and that we have, we can be free from condemnation because he died for us on the cross to, you know, make us clean and wipe our slates clean. Um, But we need to ask God to help us recognize our thoughts because we may not even be aware of how many negative thoughts we think, how many times we kind of serve as our own worst enemy throughout the day. Every time we look in the mirror, every time we're reminded of something, every time we get in an argument with someone or are reminded of a relationship struggle, we are constantly faced with the you know, with the choice to think positive thoughts about ourselves or negative thoughts about ourselves. But we need to start recognizing when we're thinking thoughts that we wouldn't say to anyone else in the world, but we'll say them to ourselves. <laughs> and that, that's what I mean yeah. by being our own worst enemy. Yeah, so we just need to really ask God to help us have an awareness of those thoughts before they start planning too deeply and then causing us to sink. Yeah, absolutely. What's number seven? Number seven is overthinking, and this is one that I am so guilty of, (laughs) one I really have to pray about, because I am one, you know, I can lay in my bed at night and think about two or three problems and, 
you know, they're manageable and they're fine. But after a couple hours of laying there in the dark, they are suddenly these humongous mountains that I can never climb over. I'm sure they're too big for God. (laughs) You know, I just overthink. And I think to a time when my daughter was struggling with a lot of migraines when she was in middle school, and it was just heartbreaking. Anyone that's seen your child struggle in any way or go through any kind of, especially medical issue, um, that you know is, you know, hard for them. It just breaks your heart. But you can also start thinking the most horrible, horrific things. And the worst thing we can do is try to search on the Internet for information <laughs> because that will <laughs> instantly cause you to overthink and to worry. But we need to be careful not to do that and not to try to always think that the problem is bigger than it is or that the problem is too big for God to to solve or to take care of or be in control of. Hmm. I just drove to another city uh, close by here earlier today to talk to some business owners. So we're in the process of closing down our retail store. We sold our restaurant earlier this year, and we're closing down the retail store. And we have a bunch of fixtures, you know, the the shelving units and all that. So I went to this other city close by to talk to some business owners over there about, well, do you need any fixtures? And I got there, and I realized I only had an hour and a half total to spend there before I had to come back. And I was like, this is impossible. This just can't work. I can't make this happen. This is not enough time. And then I said, so since this is the way it is, I think I'm just going to ask God, you're going to have to orchestrate my steps. You're going to have to lead me around because I have no idea where to start or what to do. So I decided Mm -hmm. I would start. I was driving down the highway, and I thought, just pull over here. That was the prompting. So I went into two businesses right there. The second business owner said, the next place you need to go is, and he told me where to go. And I was like to the other business. And I was like, wow, God, that's so specific. Thank you very much. It's so amazing because yeah. God already knows. That's how the hour went, and the hour and a half. And, you know, God already knows where we need to go and what we need to do and what needs to happen, what he needs to supernaturally do and what we can do on our own, you know, with his power. And uh, it's just so wonderful. It's such a freeing way to live instead of trying to, you know, get all analytic about it, which I would have tried to do in that moment. You know, what would be the best possible path for me? You know, all that stuff. It's like God already knows Mm -hmm. where I needed to go and what I needed to do. This overthinking, I laughed when you first said it because, oh, my goodness, I'm so guilty of that. But when we let Jesus do it, it is so beautiful, and he's very good at it. Very good. <laughs> he is. Just this week, I've had another example of that because a couple weeks, a few weeks ago, I had several appointments come up this week, and I knew we had our big She Speaks conference last week at Proverbs 31, and then this week was super busy, and I'm thinking, I, I, or overthinking rather, everything that had to get done, and I'm like, it's impossible. And I was just fretting and stressing, and finally, I just thought, okay, I can't. You know, I don't know how that's all going to work out. But I'm just going to trust that, you know, it will. And I ask God to guide my time and my steps. Well, as it turned out this week, several things freed up just that were completely unexpected, which gave me time to do these Mm -hmm. other things. So everything just has worked out in this amazing, seamless way. (laughs) And if I had continued to stress and overthink the problem, I probably would have just been in this state of worry and frenzy when now I can see that God already had it all worked out. We are the ones right. who just tend to try to figure it all out ourselves. Yeah, and we do really like to understand. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And he gives us, you know, I like the verse about enough light for the path. That's not, if you think of a flashlight, that's just not very much light. You know, it's just not a long way out right. there that we can, we're supposed to yeah. expect to be able to see all the time. So, okay, what's number eight? 
Number eight is negative influences. And this is similar to my situation at work and listening to that chronic complainer all day, every day. You know, those things eventually do take a toll on how we think and take a toll on our own hearts and our own spirits. And if we regularly listen to gossip, if we're in a group that, you know, is constantly gossiping or people that are constantly talking negatively or, or complaining about other people, or maybe we, you know, watch things on television or listen to the radio and it's just this constant influx of negative influences from, you know, from the outside world, it eventually does begin to wear on us and it can fill our minds with negative things that are not pleasing to God and are not going to make our life any more, you know, positive or beneficial. And the more we do it, the harder it becomes to take our thoughts captive to Christ, which is what we are, you know, what we are all called to do is to really start not letting your thoughts run to all these places or be influenced by things that are not pleasing to God. And it's habit forming. So we need to take a look at, you know, what are the negative influences in my life day in and day out? And what can I begin distancing myself from if I'm, if I can see now, now that we're talking about let's being aware, let's be aware of you know, what's affecting our thoughts, what is it that I can make changes in to kind of protect my mind and my heart from some of that outside negativity. Yeah. Okay. Go through numbers nine and 10 more quickly here because we're just about to a break. Okay, sure. Now, number nine is this victim mentality. I think most of us have experienced <laughs> difficult situations where we have felt like victims, maybe of someone else's actions or someone else's choices, or maybe just a victim of circumstance beyond our control. But we can either live with a victim mentality that traps us in this negative mindset and makes us feel discouraged or helpless or unworthy, or we can choose to, you know, be victorious in God and believe who we are in him and what his word says about us. And the last one is to not let ourselves get trapped in this all is lost mindset. And, you know, just thinking, oh, this is never going to change. And that it can never work out and I'm never going to be happy. And, you know, life is over and it's all downhill from here. That's not how God wants us to think because his word tells us we have hope and he has great plans and, you know, to prosper us in the future and to give us hope and, you know, really craft our past into our purpose and just all these wonderful things that we can look forward to. So we don't want to let the world make us think there's no way to get out of this situation or no hope for me when that is not at all what God's word says. Oh, so great. This is Marty. We're visiting today with Tracy Miles. We're going to come right back and talk about how changing your thinking will change your life and the high cost of negativity and what you can do about it today. Women's ministry leaders across America rely on womensevents.info to find the major Christian women's events coming to their area. Womensevents.info is the only online directory of its kind featuring all the upcoming major Christian women's events. You are invited to search for events coming near you or to add your own major Christian women's events. Everything's easy and accessible over at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marnie Sudberg. You're joining us today for Strategic Faith, How to Transform the Way You Think, Feel, and Live. And our guest today is Tracy Miles of uh, Proverbs 31, and she has uh, got a new book out called Unsinkable Faith we're talking about today. You can learn more about her over at her website, tracymiles.com, T-R-A-C-I-E, miles.com. Tracy, let's talk about um, how changing our thinking will change our lives. Uh, that's a pretty big, that's a 
pretty big statement, but I am in 100% agreement with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Romans 12, too, is, is pretty much the core theme for this book and really where this came out of, which says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And so what this verse reassures us is that God says it's possible, therefore it is possible. <laughs> and it says we can be changed by changing the way that we think. And what most people don't realize is that the average person has 50 to 70,000 thoughts per day. So it's about 35 to 48 thoughts per minute. And 95% of those thoughts are the same thoughts we thought yesterday. And then to make matters worse, 80% of those habitual thoughts are negative. <laughs> and so you know, that if, once you think about that day after day after day, tens of thousands of thoughts, negative thoughts that are running through our minds and cycling through our minds every single day, how they can poison our attitudes and our outlooks and really our heart and even our faith just day by day by day. Hmm. Wow. So the the thought processes that are going on and and I know that this is true. I always teach, you know, when um, the, the conscious mind is, can process, you know, 40 stimuli per second, the subconscious million stimuli per second. There's so much going on behind the scenes. Even the thoughts that we're thinking, which we would assume are in the front of, in the forefront of things, even those thoughts are flying by so fast. You think of 30 to 40 thoughts a minute, um, that's, you know, it's almost one you know, one to two per second, uh, mm-hmm. that it's just so much going on. And I know, I know like Pam Farrell has, you know, choosing joy. And I, I often say it's my number one job to keep focused on Jesus. I mean, that's my number one job to keep mm-hmm. my mind focused on truth. And it's a full-time job. I, that's how I see it. I don't, I don't see it like a job, like work like that. But I say it that way because we tend to think that it's supposed to be really easy and that it's supposed to not take any effort or that it's supposed to come naturally. And nothing could be further from the truth. Our natural bent is to behave like a two-year-old because that's what we learned at the very beginning of our lives. Before we Mm -hmm. ever knew Jesus, we had no place in our brains for Jesus when we were teeny tiny and we were just bent on having our own way. And that's really the deepest habit formations that we have going on. And it really affects how we behave and how we think is, you know, causing us to act out in certain ways. So what do you say to the person who's like, I've never really thought about this before. Why is this helpful? Well, I think we've probably all heard the term, the power of positive thinking. (laughs) It's kind of a secular term. It's been around for decades But what we don't realize is that it truly does have power over our life. And I've heard people say, well, I've I've just been kind of negative and, you know, downhearted my whole life. That's just how I'm wired. Or I grew up in a very dysfunctional and negative or maybe even abusive childhood, you know, growing up in my home. And that's how my parents were. And so they think, hey, this is just how I am. And it's how I'm always going to be. And that's why I love this concept and I love that promise in Romans 12 too is that, you know, God's telling us, he didn't say you can, you can, but you can't because you grew up in a certain <laughs> certain way or had this certain thing happen to you that affected your attitude. He says all things are possible. And in Romans 12 too, what's possible is that you can be changed by changing the way that you think. But the very first thing before we can, you know, 
begin doing that is to recognize that we might need God's help to make some changes. And I constantly say the worst thing than being a pessimist or being a negative thinker is being that and not even realizing it. We have to ask God to help us see ourselves, you know, for not, not in a critical way, but just for who we are and ask him to open our eyes to areas that, that might be keeping us from really having the kind of faith and living with the kind of peace and just that abundant life and joy that he wants us to have. There's just little things that it may be in our brains, not necessarily our circumstances that are keeping us from being able to live life the way that he intended. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing is when we see something happening on the external that we can't really understand why it is, we can always say there's something in my thinking, there's something buried under here that's making me, have this perception or this perspective of things or whatever it is, there's something down there that Jesus wants to free us of. And, you know, Jesus is all about freedom. He is not about bondage, about making us, you know, behave this certain set of rules. That is not at all why there are rules. Rules are for our safety every single time. And uh, when we recognize that he wants to heal us, that's when we get to go forward in our relationship with him and actually see some changes going on. You talk about, you know, the truth, the lies, you know, what Jesus says is true compared to what I perceive as true sometimes don't match up. And, of course, Jesus is always right, the lies. And then an exercise to help us keep on track. Um, Share with us, you have a cool exercise on page 94 in your book. Share with us how to do that. Well, really, it's just to begin, you know, first of all, being aware, being aware of how you're thinking. And the the primary thing that I really try to nail down is that we all have within our power to do three tips each and every day. We can recognize what we're thinking, reject those thoughts that aren't of God, and replace them with something that are. So it seems very simple, but if you think about the 35 to 40,000 plus thoughts that we have every day, it might seem impossible. <laughs> but what we want to do is ask God to help us be aware of not every thought, because that would be, you know, probably near to impossible to constantly be aware and still be able to function. But just to prick our spirits when we're thinking something that that's not of him or thinking something that's negative or that's causing us to feel like we're sinking in our faith, that we can't trust God or we can't trust other people or things are hopeless. We just need to be aware. So recognize your thoughts and then reject the ones that aren't of God. And if the basic principle is if what you're thinking is not backed up by God's word somewhere in scripture, then it's likely not from God. It's not true if it's not of or from God. And then replace that thought with something that is of God, something that is true and is pleasing and is positive. If we try, we can find something positive in every negative thought that we're thinking. We can turn it around. It's just a matter of capturing those thoughts before they really start capturing our hearts. Hmm. I like that you say there's something good in every, you know, in uh, the verse that everybody always quotes, you know, um, God is able to make all things. No, the one that, now I have the wrong one in my head, but um, the one that all things work together for good, that one is mm-hmm. the one I'm thinking of, and all things, including our thoughts. All things includes our thoughts. Right. I've never really thought about it like that before, but that's a, that's a cool way. So when we reject, I was thinking, when we reject a thought that is not truth, then it's like it's like saying, you know, me saying today, no, I am not going to have food today. And our mm-hmm. our drives that are down underneath, in our habitual responses to things, 
if we've been doing this behavior, having this thought for a long time, there's going to be a pretty big kickback from that. And, you know, the, the, all of the scientific evidence now is pointing to the fact that you don't actually quit habits, you don't quit bad habits, you replace them. You can't just, mm-hmm. and the Bible talked about it first, you know, if you're going to get rid of seven demons, or get rid of a demon, you, you better have something come in that's good from God because otherwise demon's going to come back with seven brothers and, you know, take over again. So it's the same way with these thought processes. We've had them forever and we don't know how to get rid of them, but this is the way is to recognize it, to say, no, that is not from God. God speaks to me truth from your perspective. What is the truth here about this? You know, what should I be thinking? Mm-hmm. I just love it. And it is, you know, it is just a wonderful, a wonderful exercise to just learn to do you know, and it will only take it would only take you know thirty to sixty days, and you would have it down. If you just focused on doing this, you would be able to learn, and this would be an amazingly powerful habit to adopt for the rest of your life. Just to do one, two, three, R R R, recognize, reject, and replace every time a lie comes yeah, to your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm- cool. I love to use the analogy, um, and I've shared this before about. I did a lot of research from uh, Dr. Leaf and Dr. Daniel Amen because they've done so much scientific research on the brain and, and the thoughts. And that's where I got a lot of the, you know, the information that I shared about in the book, but it was so just mind blowing to me, just phenomenal that the stud, their studies prove that as people begin to shift their thinking and began to think more positively and more optimistically, that their physiological brain change, the actual pathways mm-hmm. and structure of their brains, you know, in these MRIs and things, were physically, visibly different. And so just to put it on layman's terms, because most of us aren't brain scientists, if you were to walk from your front steps to your mailbox every single day through the grass, you know, over time you would build, you would wear a path through the grass towards the mailbox. And that's where you would go every single day. You just keep walking down that same path because that path is there. And that's exactly what we do with our thoughts. And that's what forms our habits. But if we say, not today, not today, am I going to walk down that path of negativity? Not today. Am I going to think, you know, this, this hopeless condemning thought or not today? Am I going to let this circumstance make me feel like I have to live like a victim? And we intentionally say, Instead, I'm going to go, I'm going to take a left turn and I'm going to think positive and I'm going to think this thought instead. If we keep doing that day after day, week after week, and it might happen in two months, but it might take seven or eight. You know, it just depends on how deep it is in a, a part of who you are, this negative thinking. And, you know, each one of us are different and unique and have different personalities, but God's word says you can be transformed. And he doesn't mean just me or you, but he, it's for everyone. So if we purposely take a different path, then the path is going to change. The other one's going to grow up. The grass will grow back. And then we'll be going down a new path every single day. And over time, it will become just second nature, natural tendency. And that'll be, you know, start helping us to become more of a positive person. I love that. Well, this is Marnie Sudberg. We're visiting today with Tracy Miles of TracyMiles.com. We're going to come back and talk as well as what to do when you feel you just cannot carry on. We'll be right back. There is a huge difference between working for God and allowing God to work through us. My latest book, Flow Through Vessel, explains how to master the habit of letting God flow through our lives. When we try to do everything good for God, we quickly fail. 
But when we learn how to allow God to flow His life and love through us, we find strength for the day. Check out this new Bible study resource at www.marnie.com. That's www.marnie.com. Welcome back. I just did a video yesterday and put it out there about how we are like a straw. And sometimes we feel like we are uh, supposed to be the water in a glass that other people are sucking on all the time, but that's not the case. The case is that Jesus is the water. We are just the straw, the flow-through vessel that he wants to flow through. And I hope that you will look more into that and understand that he's not expecting you to do everything all by yourself. He's really expecting you to just rest in him and let him flow his life and love through you to others. And the beautiful thing about that, Tracy, is that when God flows his life through me, I get to experience that love on his, on this way out to other people. It is a win-win mm-hmm. situation. It's not being used in a bad word. It's being used by God in the best sense of that word possible. Well, you've got some tools for us um, I like how you call it a transformation toolbox. Again, a great visual that, you know, there are many things that we can do and maybe some of them are appropriate for this day or this, you know, situation, some for others. But what are the two that you wanted to share with us today? Well, I came up with this this term based on 2 Corinthians 10.4, and it says, and this is from the Message Bible, we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. So basically, we have God tools within our grasp to fight this spiritual war, this battlefield that is constantly taking place in our mind. And the two main things are God's word and just prayer and conversation with him, you know, prayer in general, letting other people pray on our behalf, praying for other people and spending time in his word. So his word and prayer are things that we all know that we have, you know, we can go to that. We usually have more than one Bible at at our fingertips and we can pray all day, every day. But unfortunately we take that for granted. We take those tools for granted, but they are powerful tools, and that is what's going to help us really start smashing the warp philosophies and this this hold or pattern of negative thinking that we have in our mind, and really start beginning to break free from that. And I love Second Corinthians three seventeen too. It says, "For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom." So that can be our number one prayer: God, help me to break free of this habitual negative thinking because it is robbing me of peace and joy and that's not how I want to live my life. I love the word freedom and I use it a lot in my uh, mind, in my speaking with other people, in my conversations with God. I talk a lot about freedom because there, there is very little that motivates us more than recognizing that all of these many things that God is asking us to do, you know, refrain from gossip and, you know, don't, you know, don't give your body to different things, all this kind of stuff. If we recognize always that it is for freedom's sake, for freedom that Christ set us free. And, and we, we keep that forefront because that's, you know, what I think it was um, John Eldridge said, you know, Satan's number one lie is that God is not as good as he says he is. That God's really pretending mm-hmm. to be better than he says he is. And I think in this area right. of freedom, if we don't keep that forefront, we'll, you know, we'll tend to begin to believe that God is trying to 
enslave us, entrap us, use us in a bad way. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like all of these things come to a person's mind when the tough times come. Obviously not when mm-hmm. it's going good. But when the tough times come, for me, the freedom, the word freedom is such a beautiful word. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, this, that we've got these tools, we've got these weapons to use that are so powerful. And the reason is to break us free or to set mm-hmm. other captives free. It's all about freedom, you know, when it comes back to it. It really is. Yeah. So when we're thinking about the toolbox, and I was thinking too, you know, the, you said the first tool was God's word and not to just read it, but I, I think Bill Gothard was the one who said, you know, there's nothing more transformational in our lives than memorizing God's word. And for me, mm-hmm. the reason why that is, is because as we memorize, we meditate on it more deeply than we ever would if we just read it. As you're memorizing it, it's kind of getting into your your soul into a part of you that it doesn't get when you just read and so I I just love to encourage people sing God's word memorize God's word meditate on it and read it of course but uh, it it is so powerful and it is the only way that we'll know what truth is what true freedom is is if we study that um, psalm I think 119 the longest psalm is all about God's word and God's laws and how powerful and wonderful they are and that's the that's the psalm that was the um was the Hebrew alphabet, and they'd have little children memorize memorize the alphabet that way uh, with all of these truths that God's word is the truth and is going to set us free. So that's so cool. Okay, we have one yeah. last question here today. What do you do when you just can't carry on? Well, I just want to preface and tell your listeners that I really wrote this book out of a place of pure brokenness not out of a place of being an expert on positive thinking or arriving as an optimist. Um, and it really was birthed out of the experience of my marriage of over 25 years, just abruptly ending due to unfortunate um, choices that my husband had made. And it was just not, you know, restoration wasn't really possible for us, although we went to counseling and, you know, went through everything that I felt like God, you know, wanted us to do. So it was in this place that God called me to write this book. And every single day I woke up for so many months in the midst of this, this tragedy um, in my marriage and in my life. And, you know, just everything that I knew was suddenly changed and, and the future was different and my children's hearts were at stake. And there was just the weight of the burden and the, you know, the, the negative emotions and the pain I woke up every day feeling like I can't carry on and I can't, I don't even feel like getting out of bed. And I, you know, I was just living on autopilot if at all. And so this is really where I, God just began to help me see, you know, you can either keep drowning and keep sinking emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and even physically, or you can decide that today is going to be a turning point and it's going to start in your own thoughts. And I share a story in the book about, you know, what that turning point was and the encounter that I had with God to really get to that. So I just want to encourage anyone that's listening that, you know, life is not always as it should be, and it's not always there. And it's not always as God may have wanted us to be, but it is always his plan. And he is always holding out that holy life preserver so that he can rescue us from whatever despair or negativity or hopelessness that we might be feeling because we do live in a broken world. So I would just encourage anyone that just feels like I can't carry on and I can't possibly be positive in the midst of this. 
that we are told that all things are possible with Jesus in Matthew 19, 26, and that includes transforming our thoughts, even if our circumstances remain exactly the same. I know when I went through a dark night of the soul, there was a long period of time where I just said I wouldn't get out of bed today, God, unless I knew that you were going to take my missteps, my mistakes, and my misspoken words and turn them into beautiful flower gardens. And there are just Mm. seasons where it is so difficult to comprehend to go on. And it is in those times when our faith, our faith in God, our faith in truth that he loves us and that you know, I always say, you know, if there's only one thing I could communicate to a person, it would be Jesus loves you. He died for you, and he is more than enough. And everything else has to take a backseat to that. You know, it just everything else is just extra blessings. But if Jesus never did yeah. one more thing for us, then die on the cross for us, then create us and die on the cross for us. I mean, it is enough, Tracy. And when we're going through those times, you know, we have the opportunity then to sink into despair, to go into this place that we know nobody loves me, which would include God at that point. Uh, Or we can just say, no, the truth is you love me. You've got me. You actually have an exercise on page 168 in your book. Share that with us real quick. Well, I'm going to be 100% honest. I don't have the book right in front of me. So, um, okay, and neither do I, so we're in trouble. <laughs> so, Actually, I looked high and low for your book before this interview, and I thought, where in the world did I put it? I even was like, God, you know where that book is, and I don't. So apparently we're supposed to use these few moments for something else, and you guys can get the book and get the exercise yourself. <laughs> so yeah, it's, a, it's an adventure to find out what's on page 168. That's right. What is on page there you 168? Go. <laughs> yeah. well, that's awesome. Well, this hour has been so much fun. It's just been fun to um, hear your heart and to learn a little bit more about this book and about what God's been teaching you about thinking. Um, we do have just a couple more minutes here. Tracy, what is, what is your favorite Bible verse? My favorite Bible verse has always been um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. It's just been my theme verse for as long as I can remember because for, you know, quite some time I've had different struggles and different issues that, that really tried to sink my faith year after year and just holding on to the fact that God has, you know, a future for us, a good future. He has good plans for us. And, you know, that gives us hope that regardless of what we're going through right now, that, you know, things are going to, things are going to be okay and that God's got things under control and he has a plan. It may not be a plan we understand or a plan we even wanted to have to try to figure out or, you know, wait to see come to fruition, but he always has a plan And that just gives me comfort knowing that even though things like, especially in my life, even today, they're very unpredictable, a lot of things out of of my control and, you know, still a lot of challenges every single day being only really about 18 months into this journey of being single and a single mom. And so I just really latch Mm -hmm. on to God's promise that he has a hope and a plan and a future for each one of us. Father God, we just lift up Tracy right now. She walks through this as well as every listener, as well as me. And we are all going through things that are um, bigger than we are, that we don't understand why we even find ourselves here. But you are walking with us through these things. And so we just trust you. And I love that in Hebrews you say that in order to please you, we just need to believe that you exist and are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. May that be us. Help us to just keep on just running after you, Jesus, with all of our might, and even in our thoughts, that our thoughts would be all about you, 
all the time. And when we have to divert our thoughts for something else, that we would come right back to our home base and think about you more. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and for your faithfulness to us, even especially maybe during seasons of difficulty and challenge. In Jesus' name, amen. Tracy, this has been so much fun. Uh, if people go over to your website, and I do want to give that uh, URL again in a minute here, but if people go over to tracymiles.com, what are they going to find over there? They are going to find a lot of information. <laughs> um, I try to write on my blog as frequently as possible, you know, just things that really I feel like God is speaking into my heart, and they can look into my speaking schedule. I have a, a page where all of my books are listed, and also on my blog store, you can, um, there's a lot of additional resources that go along with my books. There's an unthinkable faith study guide. There's a, a 365 day reading plan that you can download to help you really get into God's word. And I have a beautiful um, anchor that was painted by my mom, an original watercolor print that goes along with the book that says hearts anchored in God don't sink. And I also have a lot of free resources. They can download a four-day reading plan. They can sign up for my free Optimist Challenge that's for five days. That'll come straight into their inbox. There's just lots of great resources for them to either, you know, download for free. There's probably 10 or 15 things on that page for free. And then also the items that are in my store. Mm, Beautiful. What do you say to the person who says Optimist is never found in the Bible? Well, God says to live with a heart of peace and joy because that's what he came to give us. And that peace and joy is going to show in our lives through being you know, being positive and being optimistic. So that's probably how I would answer that question off the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, I would also remind people about Philippians 4, 8, which says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy, think about such things. So we're just going to leave it at that and let you guys do your own research into what you think God thinks. But we believe that God is calling us to live a life full of joy and peace, and that's pretty tough to do when you're getting sucked into any of those ten whirlpools we talked about earlier in the hour. Tracy, thank you so much. Thank you, Marnie. Thanks so much for having me today. I enjoyed it. Okay, and you guys want to go check out her website, too. Are you ready to experience your best life possible and share biblical success principles with others? Register for the SPY Coach Certification Program today. SPY, or S-P-I, stands for Success Principles Intensive. It's a six-hour online program that equips you to fully comprehend and train biblical success principles. You can check it out today over at Marnie.com. It's available as part of the mentorship program, or you can buy it as a standalone certification program. Learn more now at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. take a few moments right after the show and help me out. I am curious who we're missing. So for example, do you know of any speaker who is missing from womenspeakers.com? Do you know of a guest expert who you'd love to hear me interview on Marnie's Friends? Or maybe you know of a major Christian women's event group that is not yet represented over at womensevents.info. Would you just take a moment after the show, swing over to Marnie.com and use the support link at the bottom of any page to recommend her to us. That would be awesome. I thank you for partnering with me in ministry, and God bless your day.